With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode number 588 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, and what a victory for the Duke Blue Devils last night. We are here to talk about it. I am Donald Wand. I am your host for this episode. Jason, ladies and gentlemen, is on his way back from Antarctica. I don't know if he has penguins. We will talk about it when he gets back on the next show, but for this show, I have what appears to be, at least in the in the short term while Jason has been gone, the lucky charm of this podcast. It is JJ Jackson from the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. JJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing quite well, Donald. Excited that uh, Duke is back in the win column yet again. Uh, had two wins since we last spoke on the show last week. So uh, excited to talk about this Virginia Tech win in particular. So yeah, thanks for the invite again. Yeah, absolutely. Good to, good to have you here. And you know, let's start with this. The you know, Castle Coliseum entering last night had been the bane of Duke's existence. They had lost five of the last six trips to Castle Coliseum and in front of their raucous crowd who uh, Dave O'Brien and Corey Alexander talked way too much about uh, during the during the broadcast about how they uh, it was the toughest place to play in the ACC and how the students were there at noon and and they had to wait in you know some decently cold weather to get into the game. Duke turned that place into a very, very much a library. Uh, they didn't they didn't add to that. 77 to 67, the final score, a huge road victory for the Duke Blue Devils. They moved to 16 and four on the year, seven and two 
in the ACC. Before we get to the headlines, JJ, just your initial thoughts about the game in itself. And really, you know, we'll, we'll talk about specifics, but just your overall thoughts of how Duke went into Blacksburg and came out with a victory. Yeah, I got the job done. I mean, it was a, a really fun game to sit there and watch. You mentioned, uh, you know, Dave O'Brien and, and Corey Alexander, their talking points that they nailed home. If you're like me and a Duke basketball fan who was watching the game, we heard a million times from the likes of Dave O'Brien and Corey Alexander how quickly that game moved in the first half, right, with the lack of fouls that were being called and just the pace was incredible. I thought that, too. Throughout the game, I was really kind of impressed with how quickly the game kept moving along, and it's such mm -hmm. a positive thing because Duke was in control for the majority of the game and what took place. So uh, big picture, walking away with the win at a spot that you've really struggled at over the last several years, I don't think could be understated. This was a really big win for Duke. This was their best month of basketball that they've played since February of 2022 what they were able to do here in the month of January in 2024 with that 7-1 record. So just really awesome stuff, big picture-wise, uh, is, is how this month came to a close last night. We we talked on the, on the previous episode about how tough it has been for top 10 teams to win on the road against unranked opponents, and, and it wasn't an easy victory, but it, in the end, when you look at it, it kind of was – one of the better victories for Duke basketball so far this season. Let's get into the headlines. And and like you, like last time, JJ, we here, we had a ton of great headlines that I had to leave on the editing room floor. So I'm going to lead with this one. I'm going to lead with my best one that I think this, thus far, Josh Dill, Josh Dill wrote in. And of course there was a couple people who did this sort of thing, but Josh Dill, I think nailed it. He, he goes, devils do the hokey pokey turn road woes around. That's what it's all about. That that's wow. perfect. Perfect. Wow. Good job, Josh. That's what amazing. A start. That's what a start. Amazing. Yeah, I told you we're leading with the best ones. Here's some <laughs> other ones I thought were good. Uh, Jared Strauss broke it, wrote in, the bacon is on hold. Duke disappoints hokey hopefuls, of course, in reference to uh, the bacon that uh, I guess the fans at Castle Coliseum get if a team misses, the opposing right. team misses two straight field goals or free throws in the second half. Of course, uh, Flip had to kind of, you know, make it eat, make it interesting in a couple of occasions, but no bacon for the Hokies. Josh Levinson says a tough castle to conquer, but devils get her done. And that was awesome. Uh, Michael Slaughter had a great one. And I have to, uh, he told me I have to sing this one. So here it is. Okay. Hokey crusher, Tyrese Proctor. That is his headline. <laughs> loved it. Uh, that was great. And Jason actually wrote in. He saw it, Michael, and, and loved it as well. So shout out to you. Tom Wildermuth had blue devils bounce back in black jerseys in Blacksburg. Again, we wore those black jerseys on the road. Going down to Blackburg, coming out with a, a, a huge, huge victory. And then finally, Chuck Westmoreland wrote, Trap this. Devils hit Hokies hard in the Blacksburg House of Horrors. So, again, a lot of people wrote in some great ones. Thank you to everybody who submitted. And I'm sorry we didn't get to the myriad of other ones that were just as great as the ones we mentioned there. JJ, any, any favorites out of that group I just mentioned? I mean, just getting started with the hokey pokey set the tone <laughs> for really good stuff. At any time, you know, uh, with the Louisville game last week when I was on, had great headlines around the name of the KFC Yum Center and, mm -hmm. you know, the headlines there that you're able to play off Castle Coliseum and making that work. That's good stuff. Great work out there, DBR. Well, continue to do the great work, as JJ would say. Uh, DBRpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we have a big game coming up this Saturday. There will be a lot of headlines coming from there, but we will wait until later in the week to preview that game. We're going to start by recapping 
this win against the Hokies. We start with a good JJ, and I want to start with this JJ. Um, our friend K Man wrote in, and he you know made the stat very clear throughout this game, going back and forth. There was only one lead change. The Hokies took the initial lead. I think it was a uh, we we were down eleven six at one point. We took the lead after that, and we never looked back. And it's and really after that point, we were never we were never had a, a lead of lower than three points. And it started, I think, with the perimeter defense. And and here's some stats for you. Entering this game, according to Ken Palm, Virginia Tech was the number one team in the conference in three point shooting. They held them to 27%. They are now number four in the conference. They were the best two-point shooting team in the conference. We held them to under 45% shooting from the floor. And they were the best free-throw shooting team in the in the conference. They started out nine for nine, but then they missed three crucial ones where when they were trying to kind of get back into the game, they missed a few. We got rebounds on, on one of those possessions uh, where a guy missed two free throws in a row. I think it was Poteet missed two in a row. And then we went down and hit a three, I believe. Tyrus Proctor hit a three, and that assumingly was that. But talk to me about the perimeter defense, or just the defense in general, how how well it was that we were able to win the rebounding battle by so much. We were able to really hone in on their shooters and make it where it was a really bad night for the Hokies. Yeah, you talk about starts for the Stuke basketball team as of late. I, I wouldn't say it was the best start necessarily that we've seen from the Stuke team this season because it did take a little while to get the scoring started, to get good scoring opportunities and chances there. But it did not take a while for the defense to set the tone in this game and what it was going to look like and watching it play out. You know, watching the game and uh, the flow of the game that we saw last night, that under-16 timeout didn't come until 12 and a half minutes because Duke was able to defend without fouling. Virginia Tech stopped or starts missing shots. Duke grabs rebounds, and then Duke goes and scores on the other end of the floor. So I was incredibly impressed with the start to the game. And I think that the uh, the guard defense on the perimeter is a big reason why Duke was able to do that, like you're saying. It was, you know, of course, Hunter Couture got his shots off and he hit, yeah. nailed a couple of threes, including one early where everyone was like, okay, we can't let that guy get hot. But Sean Badule had a uh, abnormally off game. And I think that really set the tone because – as we mentioned before, he is the guy that has the ball in his hands a lot. And when he gets rolling, so does the rest of the team. And it didn't feel like he really got into his rhythm. And because of the, and because of how we were able to handle him, like you mentioned, there was a lot of opportunities for us to get rebounds. We got those rebounds. We would go down the floor very, very quickly. And also offensively, we got a lot of rebounds. We had 15 second chance points, uh, I believe, in the game before we were at zero. So that's a nice change for you know, getting offensive rebounds, going right back up, either going to the free throw line or getting points out of it. I, I want to talk about one guy, and there's obviously a lot of guys we can talk about. I want to talk about Ryan Young, because first of all, Ryan Young dunked in a, in a collegiate basketball game. I seen it. I think you saw it too. Um, that's I, I don't, someone asked us if, if that was in the stats game. It is not. We, we did not <laughs> plan for this. Um, so I don't have a, re, I don't have a other reaction other than like, wow, that is the Ryan Young I want to see the rest of the season. Aggressive. 10 points, five rebounds, two assists, one huge block in 14 minutes of play. He came off the bench, and of course, he had some foul trouble. Also, Kyle Filipowski had some foul trouble, but they were able to you know, mostly play well on defense without fouling. And also, again, they were the catalyst on offense, and, and a lot of Ryan Young's points were the result 
of offensive putbacks where he would grab the rebound and either pass it out for a shot or he would take the ball and do that underneath uh, layup that he loves to do where he's on one side of the basket and he kind of flips underneath uh, on the other side off the glass where either they're fouling him and they're sending him to the line or he's making it because it's unblockable. So uh, I really loved his effort in this game. And again, it wasn't just hockey shifts. He played 14 minutes, but when he was in there, he was really, uh, really the catalyst for a lot of what we were doing out there. Yeah, Ryan Young was terrific. I mean, a great game altogether for him to finish with those 10 points and five rebounds. A lot of big-time offensive rebounds to create second chances for others and himself as well. Uh, some of the rebounds he was getting were great. You mentioned the block, but or the dunk, excuse me. But how about the block? How about the denial the block was awesome. on a dunk attempt uh, from Virginia Tech? I mean, we saw... Uh, one of the best games that we've seen out of Ryan Young in a Duke uniform. And when you talk about going on the road and winning in the ACC, you rely a lot on experience and guys who have been there and done that. And that was the perfect example last night and what Duke got out of Ryan Young. You know, I this is this barely missed out on my play of the game. So I'm going to mention it now. You mentioned that block. I want people to understand how awesome of a defensive play that was. Because Ryan Young, as you mentioned, came from behind to block that dunk. Yeah. He went out on the perimeter to hedge on, you know, what would be a pick and roll option. But then as the guy he was trying to hedge on beat him off the dribble, he realized that his man was headed towards the basket for a dunk. The ball is faster than a human being. It always is. And the ball found his way into the hands of the guy that he was guarding. But he was about 15 feet behind him because, he, again, he was out there trying to hedge. He hustled back to not only block the dunk attempt from behind, he then was able to gather himself as they collected the offensive rebound and went back up again. He was able to try and stymie that with two of his, you know, two of his defenders alongside with him. And then Mark Mitchell flies out of nowhere to get the uh, to get the rebound, and we're going the other way for for you know to set up the offensive set. That was an absolutely amazing sequence of defensive basketball, one of the best defensive plays that we have had from Duke all year, and it was Ryan Young that was the catalyst of it. I was super, super happy with how he performed there. And, and again, in a, in a, in we always talk about how he's not as athletic as, as some of the other bigs out there, but on that play, there is no more athleticism than you can get than someone who can hedge on a, on a block at the top of the key and then run back and block a dunk attempt from behind. That's incredible. I want to – there's a ton of places we can go, so I want to give it to you. Who's the next guy you want to talk about in this uh, in this good? Because I think a lot of guys have some great performances. Yeah, I, I think we stay with kind of the upperclassmen, the leaders of the Stuke team, and, and how about the play we saw out of Jeremy Roach? Coming off mm -hmm. the bench again, we saw that in the Clemson game after uh, kind of exiting the Louisville game early. Duke decides to bring Roach off the bench. Don't get a whole lot of Roach against the Tigers, only scoring five points. But he didn't meet a three-point shot that he did not like in the game against the Hokies, including one right at the end of the first half that a lot of people are talking about. And, uh, Donald, I loved every moment that we got out of Jeremy Roach against Virginia Tech. I thought it was such a masterful game from him. Yeah, he, again, it, I think coming off the bench on Saturday against Clemson was a, hey, we don't know where he's at physically yeah. with the return from that ankle. His ankle looked mighty fine. Uh, I think there was one point he he did a layup and he kind of kept running 
into the, the stanchion into the crowd a little bit and he kind of slipped in at first we were like oh no he he re-aggravated the ankle because he yeah he was a little bit ginger when he walked ran he back pulled up, up the court. funny yeah absolutely he pulled up funny and he was and he you know he kind of had that moment where you know there was a stoppage in play and he kind of you know looked down as if to say like oh my ankle's still present and it was and after that he just looked like normal jeremy roach you know 16 points like you said, he it um you know hit almost all of his threes, four for five from three. He had four assists along with those sixteen points, so he was also moving the basketball around. And I, I it, I'm just super impressed with how quickly he's come back to being, you know, prime time playoff Jeremy Roach in the span of a week. When again, we didn't know that he was going to play that game on Saturday. He had just come back against Louisville, as we mentioned. He had just come back from an injury there where he was out for a couple games. So it, it, it's. Hopefully he can stay healthy. We need that guy so, so bad. It changes our team when he's in the lineup, whether he's coming off the bench or he's starting, just to have him available just causes a lot of problems for the offense, and I really appreciated his effort along that. And you had just said kind of the, the counting stats there for Jeremy Roach. How about the number of minutes that he played against Virginia Tech to be at the 29-30 minute mark against mm-hmm. the Hokies going into such a big game on Saturday? You are worried about kind of the level of conditioning or – the state of injuries that he has had over the last few weeks seemed like he was good to go. I mean, out there for a large portion of the game against Virginia Tech, so that was great to see. I wonder, I I wonder if we see him back in the starting lineup against UNC. I only say that because you know it took Tyrese Proctor a little while to get back into the starting lineup, despite him performing well off the bench. And I think you know when you look at the bench points, twenty six to four. You know, obviously Jer- Jeremy Roach has sixteen points. Uh, Ryan Young has 10 off the bench. And I think having having the bench be active is super important. And I'm wondering if if John Shire is trying to figure out where in his lineup does he need guys to say, hey, I need the spark off the bench from you tonight. I need you in the starting lineup to set the tone. And the great thing is we have, you know, what, five guards that we can look to, really five or six that we can look to to say, hey, you can be that guy in either one of these positions and all of them feel like they're accepting that role, which I think is great. Tyrese Proctor, speaking of, of of guards, Tyrese Proctor, another 12 points, three rebounds, five assists, again, was all over the place. He had one play where he, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know Hunter Couture's address, but I'd like to send him a fruit basket for his ankles because both of them were broke on the same play. He was riding on skates um, with, with Tyrese Proctor in that play, but he was dynamic and, again, brought an element that it felt like Virginia Tech couldn't match. Yeah, the ball handling clinic, once again, that Proctor put on was second to none. Just really impressive stuff from him. And a game in which he was out there for 38 minutes. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen a game where Proctor was the guy that it's like, you're going to be the workhorse. You're going to carry us the whole way tonight. And it happened to be this game against Virginia Tech, and it worked out well for Duke with what Proctor was able to be. Knocking down shots effectively from the outside, once again, from three-point range. Uh, and then just talking after the game, you know, Proctor's the guy on the court that ESPN wants to interview as the game expires. And, uh, you know, talking about his team feeling so great, locking down on the defensive end of the floor, Proctor helps set that tone. And then we talk a lot about what Duke's able to do in the half court, but to hear Proctor also bring that up, like Duke understands we are one of the best teams when we dictate the pace, when we can run what we want to in a half court offense. Not what we're used to seeing in recent years 
when you think all the Duke teams that would get up and really run and push tempo. Uh, but this Duke team really enjoys kind of settling down and looking for good shots. And Proctor's a big reason why they're able to do that. You brought up a point in there that I think it cannot be understated. The number of minutes that these guys are playing, right? You have, you, you mentioned Jeremy Roach had almost 30 minutes. He had 29 minutes. You Kyle Filipowski, 30 minutes. Jared McCain, 38 minutes. Tyrese Proctor, 37 minutes. Mark Mitchell, 31 minutes. Ryan Young, 14 minutes. Caleb Foster, 14 minutes. And all of that is fine and dandy, but when you couple the fact that they played 48 hours before and these guys played heavy minutes against Clemson and are now playing heavy minutes against Virginia Tech and had the defensive display that they did, I think is nothing short of incredible. That is not something that is easy to do to come back from. I, I mean, we're when I was younger, I could play 18 games in a night and and you know be able to go again the next day. But that's not college basketball. College basketball requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of take care of your body. So commit, you know, you know, I want to commend everybody on the team from the coaching staff to the trainers to the players themselves on how they were able to recover from that Clemson game. Again, a thriller of a game and come back and do that on the road in a place where they have traditionally not played well very recently. That takes a lot of get an effort and guts. And those guys provided it in leaps and bounds. So I'm really proud of them for that. JJ, I go back to you. More good. What do you got? Uh, again, we talked ball movement a good bit of time, and I, I thought that the Stoop team in that half-court offense did exactly that. 19 assists on 31 made shots from the floor. Proctor led the way with five of them, uh, but a really nice job setting teammates up for success. We've already talked a lot about Ryan Young's dunk and the athleticism that he displayed a terrific kind of screen roll opportunity there. Proctor's able to set up Young for the wide open lane in the middle there. I just love the ball movement that Duke had. I, I think the ball movement was great. We we had, you know, just a ton of assists, 19 assists on 13, 31 made baskets. That's a ton. Everyone was involved in it. There was a lot of guys who had set, you know, multiple assists. I also think that energy was present on the defensive end and formed the rebounding. We out-rebounded Virginia Tech 38 to 20. We had Jared McCain had 10 rebounds. Mark Mitchell, who we haven't talked about that much, had eight rebounds. Kyle Filipowski, who we haven't talked about that much, had eight rebounds. Ryan Young had five rebounds, as I mentioned. There was a lot of guys getting active, and also it was long rebounds in a lot of these situations. They weren't rebounds that were, you know, guys going into the net and there's 15 guys going after the ball and, you know, you're grabbing it. These were guys, these were rebounds where guys, as, as Jason likes to say, they had to move out of their comfort zone to get the ball. And the fact that they were able to find the ball, get it, and it led to a lot of points on the other end, I think is terrific. And it's the it's the display that we want to see from the Duke Blue Devils. I think the other thing when we talk about Kyle Filipowski, yeah, he had a difficult game when it comes to staying in, you know, staying in foul trouble, but I thought defensively he was there. I thought even on offense, he was he tried to establish himself early. He, he wasn't great from beyond the arc, but at least inside the paint, he was trying to command attention, and he was also moving the ball around and trying to get his teammates involved uh, in a lot of the action. So uh, it felt like everyone was working together, and again, maybe some of these guys were in different positions than they normally are. Jeremy Roach coming off the bench, for example, but these guys all feel it always seems like, at least on, on, a, on a basic level, these guys understand their roles for every single game, how they may change from game to game, and they all buy into that. And that's the first step, and that's a very big, huge step, because if you don't buy into it, then we get lethargic play, we get lazy play, we get you know the hero ball, 
uh, that a lot of teams have. But this team felt like from the opening tip, they knew they needed to grind it out and they were able to slowly pull away. As I mentioned, the lead in the second half was no lower than three points. Every It felt like every single time Virginia Tech was about to make a run, we would hit a three or we'd get a steal and make a basket on the other end and off we were going. So I, I, I really think this could be viewed as one of the better victories of the year, especially considering the fact it's a place we don't play well on the road. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Job well done by the whole team, everybody contributing. I thought Filipowski was very efficient with what he was trying to do out there on the floor. Foul trouble is obviously something that continues to be – you just got to work on it a little bit. It's clearly better when Flip is out there on the basketball floor for this game. But uh, everyone accepting their role – and being okay with what they're asked to do is so huge. Because if you look inside the box score, the last kind of eye-popping thing that you would see would just be Caleb Foster, the really strong start that he had. He scored eight of Duke's first 14 points out there on the floor in the first half. But Donald, he only played 15 minutes in this Mm -hmm. basketball game. That's his fewest on the season outside of the Arizona game where Foster literally didn't do anything, didn't take shots, didn't share the ball, just got 13 minutes worth of cardio. Very All cardio game, I remember, yeah. You know, and just for whatever reason, only played 15 minutes in last night's game. I think we saw what was working with Ryan Young there in the second half and liked the multiple bigs set up there, and then it's just Roach, McCain, and Proctor. You're not going to take them off the floor, and it means a lesser role for Caleb Foster in a game like uh, yesterday against Virginia Tech. So I love just seeing everyone kind of accept their role and being okay that the game plans do kind of change game to game, depending on the opponent. Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a great example of, uh, you know, the role changes. I think he played 32 minutes or something like that in the game before. And now he plays one of his lowest out, you know, total minutes on the floor of the season. And, when you said he had eight points, you think, oh, he had a decent game. But no, those eight points came hot. They came fast, and they set the tone for what we were doing the rest of the game. And also, uh, you know, you mentioned the offense. I thought his defense was good as when he was on the 4-2, keeping guys in front of him and making guys take bad shots. So that was great. I think the final thing that I have in the good is this is something that we've talked about preseason, about how this team should be shooting the three and how we should be a pretty decent shooting team from beyond the arc last night we were nine for 17 we were 53 percent from beyond three or beyond the arc entering the game as i mentioned virginia tech was the best three-point shooting team in the acc according to kempom we dropped them the number four with our defense you know who's number one we are we are the number one shooting team in the ACC from beyond the arc, we are number 16 in the country now. We have quietly become the three-point shooting team that we hoped we would be at the start of the season. And I really hope that continues because, again, we were able to a lot of times, and even when you talk about the game against Clemson, there was a couple times where anytime they wanted to come back, bam, here's a three in their face to kind of shut them up and get the momentum back. The Easiest way in today's game to get back to get baskets and get momentum on your side is to hit a couple of threes in a row. And if you're hitting all your threes, I think we were six for ten or something like that in the first half. If you're hitting all your almost all your threes, it's hard for a team to catch up with you. So, and even if you were trading baskets like we were in the second half, we were trading, we were shooting threes and they were shooting twos. You can't catch up if you're doing that. If you're always giving up a point 
every single sequence down the floor. So uh, hats off to this team for how well they've responded and really, you know, I mean, despite the fact we have some guys that have been struggling from beyond the arc, it seems like over the course of the season, everyone has improved. I mean, look, Mark Mitchell's even made his last three three pointers, right? It's taken three weeks for him to do it. But again, we're picking and choosing where we can shoot these threes. And when guys shoot them, chances are they're open shots and they get great looks at them. So uh, I just want to, ha- you know, send hats off to the team because that is something that we have wanted this season. Last season, we always want our teams to be very good from beyond the arc. We're one of the best in the country at that point. Anything else left in the good for you, JJ, before we before we wrap up? That that's about it for, for this game against Virginia Tech. The three-point shooting was awesome. Nine for 17, as you said. The numbers there again, 53%, the second highest total that Duke has had all season. And keep in mind that Duke did miss their last three three-point attempts of the game when it really was already decided, right? So at one point, mm-hmm. Duke was nine for 14, and the percentage was much greater. And then, okay, let's just finish out this basketball game. Tech's not going to make much of a comeback, and Duke misses a couple of shots. So that number could have been even higher. Great shooting performance from Duke. Let's hope that that keeps up because we'll definitely need it the rest of the season. Hey, let's pause here. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the things we need to improve. We have a lot of play of the game options. And also, we'll take a look at the ACC and the NCAA tournament. Some people are saying they're getting three teams. But what do the stats say? We'll talk about it after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what better help is all about. It's entirely online. And it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back, and we have to talk about some of the things that we need to improve from this game. There's a couple things. This wasn't a perfect game for the Blue Devils. So, JJ, I, I start with you. What do you think uh, is the biggest thing that we need to improve from this game? It, yeah, it's it's tough to kind of just pinpoint um, a, a negative from this game because I, I just – going into it, I think the play at Castle Coliseum in recent years was just holding us down, and we were uh, kind of defeated after the one-in-five stretch over the last six. So uh, specifically in regards to last night's game, Donald, I just thought the Duke team did a really good job of not letting those big runs turn into greater mountains for the Duke team to climb, right? Like there were a couple of times there in the second half where the shots might not have been falling or turnovers. I think that's the one thing to kind of look at with the Duke team in particular was taking care of the basketball because you shot so well from the floor if you hold on to it and you could put up a few more shots, do you feel more comfortable because more points are on the board and you're not as uh, kind of frustrated with what you're getting defensively and that sort of thing? So um, I I think kind of the careless turnovers would be the one thing that I saw from last night's game. Yeah, and they were uncharacteristic, right? Like this is not a team that turns the ball over a lot. The stats show that and and the eye test shows that. We've had some games where we've turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, but it's few and far between. Usually we're trying to keep it under 10, and a lot of times we're keeping it under like seven or eight uh, turnovers. But in this case, it leads to, I think, the two main uh, bads from this. It was the uncharacteristic turnovers. Yeah, we had a couple times where we just kind of were sloppying through the ball away. And then there was the offensive offensive fouls. We had at least five turnovers were charge calls in the uh, first half. And then there was like a sequence of like, three or four in a row early in the second half between Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach. Um, I, I think the foul trouble obviously is something that we're able to navigate through, but you, you don't like to see uh, a bunch of guys in foul trouble. We had a couple of guys with four. I think, again, Jeremy Roach, I think, had three uh, charge calls and in, in what like four ter- uh, possessions. And that's not good because you don't want to take him out of the game. They were able to settle down, but I think they were they had to navigate through some of those calls uh, that were right. There were just calls and they were right calls, but they need to navigate through what the defense is giving them so that they're not putting themselves into foul trouble. But I think the the real story was the uncharacteristic throwing the ball away. Mark Mitchell had six turnovers. I'm sorry. Yeah, he had six turnovers uh, in this game. And that's not like him. He's not the guy that's like driven the ball off his foot all the time or anything like that. It's usually a lot of hustle plays um, where he gets turnovers. You know, he's reaching, trying to reach to save a ball, going out of bounds and 
you know, doesn't make it or something like that. But throwing the ball out of bounds are things that we can correct. And it's 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 an easy thing to clean up. But if there's one really big, bad thing from this game, I think it's that. It's kind of crazy. You look at the season numbers game by game, looking at the game logs and comparing uh, wins and losses and trends that you might see. 14 turnovers tied for the most that Duke has had this season. The other time was the away game at Pitt that Duke won. The second most turnovers that Duke has had this season is 13. That was a neutral site game against Michigan State. Duke wins. So the three games with the most turnovers this season, Duke has found a way to win those games. Then you drop down and Duke's had four or five games with 11 turnovers. So definitely out of the ordinary what we saw against Virginia Tech in terms of turning the basketball over. Some of you guys are out there. You just heard what JJ said. You were tempted to write us and say, hey, maybe we should be turning the ball over more. Just just stop that right now. We're not doing that. We, we, I, I think <laughs> while, while, while we're good at fighting through a lot of turnovers and winning the game, uh, we should not be turning the ball over. And I think that's something that we want to continue uh, to improve, especially, again, you don't want to give the opposition more chances to score and hopefully take you out of the game. That's not what we want to do. So uh, with that, I think we that's really all the big bad things that we had. I want to go to the play of the game. There are a lot of options for this, JJ. So I'm going to start with you. What is your play of the game? And let me add one more thing when we're talking kind of what stood out numbers-wise from this team, and then I'll, I'll be happy to go over uh, to mm-hmm. the play of the game, Donald. But last week we talked about that Louisville game, Duke committing a whole lot of fouls, second most fouls that they had all season outside of that Arkansas game. The storyline from the game against Virginia Tech was that Duke's opponent, Virginia Tech, only committed 10 fouls. 10. That's the mm-hmm. fewest this entire season that has happened for a Duke basketball team. So if there's any way that Duke can be more, I don't know, creative offensively, and part of it is because, look, we're knocking down shots from the outside. There are no foul opportunities there at all. But kind of maybe ramp up even that level of aggression on the offensive end to get the opponents in foul trouble, because that's just not what we saw against Virginia Tech. They didn't go to the line at all in the first half. They finished six for 10, so they took 10 yeah, free throws in the second half. But yeah, you're right, going not going to the free throw line in the first half. But again, that's also credit to the fact that there were no fouls on it, any side, right? We Like you mentioned, it took us eight minutes to have our first media timeout, and then they had to wait another two minutes to take the second media timeout. So uh, maybe it was just an uncharacteristic game where there weren't a lot of fouls called with people going to the rack. But at the same time, yeah, we want to increase that and make it where we're not fouling as much, but also going to the line where we have traditionally been pretty good at knocking down free throws. All right, play the game time. What do we got? Play play the game. I'm having a hard time going back and forth between a few different options, Donald, and it's hard for me not to just give this honor to our great Ryan Young. And, And I don't know how many times we're able to give him kind of the play of the game honors so far this season. But I just love the dunk. It, it's it's wide open. It's a big opportunity there for Duke. But I certainly loved the Summer of the Brotherhood podcast that Ryan Young is hosting. And Duke men's basketball has done a good job kind of putting the flashback up to his conversation with Proctor when they had the one dunk each last season. And there's a bet between the two as to who would have more dunks on the year I love a little bit of elevation from Mr. Young, <laughs> and uh, that was so much fun watching that, man. That was awesome. That was great. Uh, that was one of my finalists. Uh, again, <laughs> I, I think I, we've talked about all the finalists we had. We had the Ryan Young block 
uh, off the block of the dunk attempt, the Ryan Young dunk on him, you know, uh, that he did. Tyrese Proctor putting Hunt Couture on skates. I'm going with the Jeremy Roach three at the end of the first half. Here's why. 329 left in the first half. Mark Mitchell dumps the ball, puts Duke up 11. Virginia Tech immediately calls a timeout that leads into the under four media timeout. So we're up 11 coming out of that timeout. From that point, the Hokies went on an 8-0 run to close the lead to three until Roach hit that dagger three as the buzzer sounds to put Duke back up six at the half. He did it over Robbie Barron. When he did it, as you remember, he stared down the, the Virginia Tech bench afterwards, and then he smacked Barron on the butt as if to say, like, hey, nice hustle, like kind of like uh, the, the Chappelle skit with Prince. Uh, like, oh, yeah, you, you know, good hustle. Just like so to the point where Barron looked at the ref like that's not a technical for for taunting. It it absolutely was taunting. But you know what? That was that was an ice cold move by him. But at the same time, as I mentioned, we went up six at that point. Virginia Tech never got closer than that the rest of the game. I think that was a pivotal moment because, again, as they were closing, they could have been tied or de- only down three entering the break with momentum instead we came out and all the momentum was on was in Duke blue, or at least in this case in black. And we were able to close out that game. So uh, uh, thankfully for Duke, we had a lot of finalists for this play of the game. So I appreciate the fact that they gave us options to choose from. I'm glad you chose the dunk because I thought that was special as well. No doubt. And I love the Roach three. I mean, he sunned him at the end of the first half. Sure did. (laughs) So many times in life we're trying to get over pops and and, and your father's who you're looking up to and you want to find the opportunity to come away with the win over dad. And, you know, at the end of the day, hey, man, you just can't quite do it. Nice try. Good effort. Love it. Good try. Good effort. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Good try. Good effort. (laughs) Um, So we'll wrap up that game, but I want to stay in the ACC as we close out because – over the last couple of days and, and even last night during really during halftime and after the Duke game, they were talking about is we're now entering the season where Joe Lenardi's on ESPN all the time talking about the bracket, you know, bracketology and where teams might be sitting as we enter, get close to entering to February. Right now, the way Joe Lenardi has it is that there's only three teams that potentially could get into the NCAA tournament from the ACC. Duke and UNC are teams that he considers solidly in the field of 68. And I believe it's Clemson or Wake Forest, one or the other, that's in the first four out. So basically saying, hey, they're really on the bubble here, but at least they're in the conversation. And a lot of people have been talking about, could this be the year that the ACC only gets three teams in or maybe even two? A conference that until 2019 had at least one one seed almost every single year for 20 years and has had multiple teams had, you know, at one point they had seven of nine when we were nine teams in the conference, we had seven teams into the tournament. I want to talk about Bart Torvik's algorithm. So Bart Torvik, obviously he's like Kim Palm, he has his own algorithm, but he predicts, and this is from him, that the ACC has a 75% chance to get four or five teams to the NCAA tournament. And he says that the league has a better chance to get seven teams in than only two. So, again, I, I look at that to say everyone's talking about how the ACC has had a down year. The, the, the metrics that are being used by the committee, the net, the, the you know, Bart Torvik, Ken Palm, Sager, and all these rankings, have these ACC teams more in solid position than one would think, or at least enough to gain consideration in that room. 
I also offer this. When we talk about Duke, they always say the rising tide lifts all ships. They talk about if Duke and UNC are up, the conference is up. Well, Duke is 5-1 and one in quad one games right now. Only Houston, Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Wisconsin have a better quad one record than Duke does in the entire nation. And I think that's incredible concerning the fact that we've talked about some of these losses that we've had to bad teams. But what we're doing is we're also beating the teams on the road and at home that we should be. Those teams that are very strong that can, again, boost our resume, but also as Duke goes up, that hopefully will bring a couple of teams up. Because, again, some of these teams that are on the bubble that could say, hey, you know, we played Duke tough. Duke Duke is a three-seed or a four-seed, whatever it is. We played them tough. We should get, you know, recognition. The ACC has some work to do, but I do think that everyone thinking that they're only going to get Duke and UNC in there. I think it's a little premature to say that because there's still a lot of season left. And as we mentioned last night, there's a lot of opportunities for quad one wins. Big time opportunities for quad one wins. And and you look at the conference, Donald, you're right. Duke and North Carolina will leave them out. They're obviously uh, in really great standing, pretty much locks, I'd say at this point, to, to be a part of that NCAA uh, tournament field. And then you're right. It is a lot of like Clemson and Wake Forest discussion with the big focus on what they were able to do in the non-conference and going deep into kind of the analytics and your strength of schedule that you're putting together, but totally disregarding what's actually taking place in these conference games, right? Like that's not factoring in Virginia and Florida state who have six and three records already in the ACC. They're taking advantage of the opportunities to play these other teams in -hmm. the conference you know Miami's right there Syracuse NC State as well all with the five and four record Wake Forest does have that five and three mark and then Clemson who had gotten off to such a great start uh, is now just three and five in ACC play so yeah I I think if you're going to take a look at the ACC uh, as a conference I I do think there's got to be a little bit of a focus on okay what's actually taking place in these conference games who is standing out in the conference itself and at least have the likes of a Florida state and Virginia be a part of the conversation. So uh, I love the ACC obviously, and and do love hearing that there is to your point. And as Bart Torvik pointed out a better chance to get seven than there is to only have two. I love hearing that. Yeah, and I think what it means is all these teams that are doing, you know, doing well as you mentioned in the ACC, they need to continue doing well except against us. Save that, save that for the other teams, but at least, you know, come come correct with the rest of the season. And again, we we have we still have over a month of basketball left before the ACC tournament even starts. So, we have plenty of time for teams to step up and again, the cream will always rise to the top. We have plenty of opportunity for that to happen. So uh, really looking forward to the rest of half of the season. J.D., before we get out of here, uh, of course, you are the host of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. Big week for Duke basketball. We just get the v, you know Virginia Tech in our rear view. We now turn our sights to Carolina on Saturday at the Dean Dome. What do you got coming up in your show this week? Who, who Where can people uh, find you? Yeah, check us out, Locked On Blue Devils, wherever you get your podcasts and watch the show each and every day on YouTube. Please, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts in particular, leave us a five-star rating and written review. Do the same here for DBR, Duke Basketball Roundup Podcast. Those written reviews go a really long way uh, in the algorithms and how all of that works. But a big UNC week here. Uh, I'll be doing a bunch of great conversations leading up to the game. It's crossover week on our network as well. So I'll chat with Isaac Shade, 
who's the host of Locked on Tar Heels, to get a full deep dive preview of the game coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So thanks for the opportunity to plug the show there, Donald. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we we are big supporters of of your show and what you're doing. Again, you're you're the hardest working man in showbiz. You do this five days a week, uh, and so we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come Thank on you. our show. But uh, speaking of YouTube, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned because you know JJ mentioned that the Lockdown Blue Devil Show is on YouTube. You can watch that. Well, you will also be able to soon listen to this show on youtube as well if that's the place that you get your podcast we are setting up our youtube channel as we speak it is very 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 slow process to upload with the 600 or so episodes that we have uh already in the can um and this this will just add to that pile so give it a few days but once it's live we'll let everybody know of course stay tuned to our social medias at duke roundup on twitter uh and we will let you know when that is about so okay we are about to close out here jj jackson Locked on Blue Devil Show. Again, tell them where you can find on, uh, on on social media. Absolutely. At LO underscore Blue Devils on X, Twitter. And uh, I'm there as well. At underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. And uh, yeah, go listen to the podcast. Watch the show on YouTube. And keep being a part of this uh, DBR family as well. I love the headlines. Even when I'm not on the show, I've mentioned it many times before. I'm always dialed into what Donald and Jason have to say. So thanks once again for the invite, Donald. And thanks for thanks for being on here. Jason will be back on the next episode. He assures us that he will be back. He's, I'm he's done with the, the vacation. Are coming back, like you said. The the P, I mean, I didn't know we had this much PTO over here <laughs> on the DBR, but uh, he's used all of it. So he's coming back yes. on the next episode. But this will wrap it up for episode number 588. Again, JJ Jackson, thank you so much for being on here and being my my cohort through this. Until then, for JJ, I am Donald, and now it's time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.